I want to speak to you about our purpose in salvation. One of our, 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 really our main purpose for being saved. God loves you and gave himself for you. More than depth cannot really define, you cannot define the depths of that. Um, but in Revelation chapter 22 verse 3 is my starting place here this morning. He said, there shall be no more curse. Well, I could stop there and have me a little dance up here. You ever see a preacher dance? I'm telling you what. I will be glad when Murphy's Law is over. You all know Murphy's Law. The Harris's know Murphy's Law. Anybody does mechanical work. Anybody that tries to make anything knows Murphy. Murphy is a curse. He's with you all the time. Drop a peanut butter sandwich, it always goes peanut down. <laughs> always, always. Keep the lid loose on the ketchup and you know what will happen. I was eating with some people who had been here from uh, school and we had had them ensemble and we went out to eat, took them out to eat, bought their dinner. And uh, the one boy, his name was Rocco. I'll never forget his name, Rocco. And uh, he said, pass the ketchup to one of the people there. And they gave the ketchup to him, and they had left the lid loose on the ketchup. Now, this almost causes divorce. They had left the lid loose on the ketchup, and he stumbled around with that thing, and eventually it poured that ketchup all over me. I mean, in my pocket. I had it in my, I had a suit on. I threw the suit away. Unbelievable. If, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong at the worst possible time. Murphy's Law. And you will live with it until you die. But praise God, there's coming a day when it's going to die. Murphy's Law is going to die. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. His servants shall serve him. I want to talk about being a servant. The highest calling in the Bible, the highest calling in the Bible is to be a servant. For the child of God, the highest calling is an honor in the Bible to be called a servant. Now, the word servant sounds sweet in our language, but let me put it in our, more in our language, slave. Doulos, a man born into slavery, is a Greek word. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I get to be a slave of Jesus Christ. Or if I may say, a servant of Jesus Christ. That makes you uh, feel a little bit better. Pride is the only thing that makes us think serving is lowly and base and unimportant. The only thing that keeps you from being a servant oftentimes is pride. I want you to think about that. Well, we had some trustee work days here at the Gospel. And we're a unique church. We're down in South Florida. A lot of people retire down this area. So the, the mean age of Lee County, I think uh, I was told recently, was 62 years old. Now, the mean age of Orlando is like 35. 
the mean age of Atlanta, Georgia, is probably in the 30s. But if you come down here to Bonita Springs, the mean age of Bonita is like 62 years old. And so I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of old, old boys on work days. When I started here, I was 28 years old. I was the youngest guy going. I was the youngest guy among a group. And I remember we'd have work day with those oak trees out there. The day we put them oak trees in, we, we had a guy that was a, I mean, everybody in the work crew was a leader. There were no servants. There were just chiefs. This guy had his own construction company and built four or five condos on the beach, ended up, this guy here was a head of maintenance in a ma massively large company. This guy was ahead of this. This guy was ahead of that. These guys all assembled to put these trees in along the road here. I wanted to put trees in 1996. I said, we want to put some, plant some trees other people sit under. And I said, let's plant some trees. Well, they were small. Trees were about that high. And one guy got on the end with a, with a machine. I can't, transcend, I think it was called. And he shot it and told the guys that they dug the holes and put the trees in. And, but he was a perfectionist. And he said, it's a half inch off. I mean, after you put this big old heavy tree in the hole, then he had to roll the tree around to get it to where the tree was lined up. I said, look, man, they had a war out there. I think two of the trustees quit. <laughs> they barely got the trees planted because there was so much pride out there, you could cut it with a knife. Chiefs and no Indians. Jesus Christ is our chief. The rest of us are Indians. You know, the rest of us are servants. Helping others is the highest calling and, by the way, if I may say, extremely rewarding. It goes along with the paradoxes, the other paradoxes, a few of them I'm going to give examples for, the paradoxes of Scripture. So if you want to be exalted, you are a servant of Jesus Christ. It, we must abase ourselves to be exalted. That's a, that's a paradox. It's surely not according to the rules of this world. Matthew 23, 11, 12. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. That's a paradox. That's not, that's not according to the rules of this world. Another paradox is we win, to win we must lose. Matthew 16, verse 24, 25, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now think about that. That's not the way you think. That's not the way I think. That's not the way the world thinks. When you come into the body of Christ and in the teachings of Jesus, he flips you. No wonder they said, here comes the men who turn the world upside down. Their philosophy of life is opposite of this world. Who, this world is into self-promotion. How many people do I have to walk over to get on top? That's this world. But that's not God's world. 
Another paradox of the Bible is we must love our enemies. This may be the most challenging of the entire Bible to me. I don't know if it is to you, but it's the most challenging of the entire Bible, what I'm going to read. Matthew 5, 44, 45. He says, but I say unto you, Jesus' words, by the way, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully, not just use you, but they despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Jesus said that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son, that's S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Now if God blesses those who curse him and blesses those who are his enemies and does good to them that despitefully use Obviously, we're supposed to be like our Father which is in heaven, and, as an, and the Holy Spirit in you is going to help you do that. If you want to get to the top of my prayer list, do me wrong. That's basically what that says, and it also is true in my life. If you want to get to the top of my prayer list where I'm praying for you every day, do something wicked to me, do something awful to me, just, just cheat me. Do something because I'm going to put you right at the top of my prayer list and I'm going to ask God to help you and bless you. If I don't, I'm going to hate you. You with me? I got the old man in me. He's just as alive today as he was when he was 18 years old. But I know how to beat him now by the knowledge of the Word of God and the blessed Holy Spirit. And so... You can love your enemies by you begin to pray. It's hard to hate somebody you're praying for, especially if you're praying for their good. Now, don't pray, may they die a slow, miserable death. Don't pray that. Now, that's, not, that's, not, that's not what he's saying here. We must help the least to do good to the greatest. That's, that's another paradox of Scripture. Matthew 25, 40, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. The first time I ever read that verse, that just nailed me. How can I do good for the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the old rugged cross for me, has given me eternal life, and woo! How, what can I do for Help his children. Help his children. Do good to these children. He said, if you, if you did this to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. I believe we have on our sign there, uh, on our uh, bus ministry sign, I was a stranger and you took me in. That's the theme of the bus ministry, going out and find people that we don't know and maybe don't even like us and asking them to come to church and listen about, hear about Jesus. They don't have to pay anything. We give them free, free food, free pancakes, free popcorn, free hot dogs. We give them every kind of thing because that's the least we can do. We want to help them to get saved. He said, Jesus said, you do it unto me. These are Jesus' own words. John 12, 26 is another verse that just completely knocks my socks off. If any man shall serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, 
Him will my Father do what? Most of you know that. Honor. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. I was going down the road this week, listening to my Bible, and when I get to heaven, I mean, I'm going to expect to hear the voice of Alexander Scorby. But I, I don't think I will, but, but at least it sounds like, I mean, that's just one of them. To me, it's just the best guy that ever read the Bible. Recorded it. 19, it was 1953, I think he did that. And it's a tremendous way to listen to Scripture. You ought to read the Bible. You ought to listen to the Bible. You get it differently from both ways. And so he read. He was reading down through John 12 there, and if any man serve me, let him follow me where I am. There also my servant be. Well, I'm happy about that because Jesus is on the right hand of the Father right now. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. And I just had. A, I just teared up. I choked up on going down the road and just had me a little spell with God and say, I don't deserve any of your honor. I don't deserve God to honor me. I'm just an old junkyard dog, an old sinner, saved by the grace of God. I don't deserve the Father to honor me. I like it. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, I think it's verse around 16, he told the children of Israel, listen, if you'll just obey what I tell you to do, I'll command a blessing on you. How do you like that? I won't just say there'll be a blessing on you. He could have said it that way. I will cause a blessing to come upon you. But God didn't say it that way. He said, if you'll do what I ask you to do, I'll command a blessing to haunt you, to follow you, to go where you go. You won't be able to get away from it. You won't be able to hide from it. I will bless you. Now, being blessed doesn't, we sometimes want to interpret blessing always with money and material things. But God's talking the kind of blessing that money can't buy. A good night's sleep. A clear conscience. Money can't buy that. I've seen people die miserably, horribly, because they lived in opposition to the Word of God. Wow. The Father will honor those who serve His Son. I just don't think it gets better than that. Nothing this world offers beats what the Father offers to His people. What, one of the reasons for that is what the world offers us, what the devil, the flesh, and the world offer you has an end. People pick up what the devil offers. They say, okay, I'll serve you. And, and they get famous and they get rich. And, and people, when they walk in a restaurant, are, whoo, look at so-and-so. They get a little bit of that. But pretty soon, that comes to an end. And, and they get older, they get sicker, they die. And, and that, all that fame and that glory and that wealth, they leave for someone else. And, and they're not famous in hell. They're not comfortable in hell. They're not rich in hell. What God offers us is permanent. Now, I like that. All these pyramids in Peru and pyramids in Egypt and pyramids around the world were them trying to figure out how to get eternal life. That was really what they were, all that was about, how to get favor with God and how to have eternal life. They went through a lot of trouble that they didn't have to go through. So how can we serve God, Pastor? Thank you for asking that. That was my introduction. 
So what's our, what's our main purpose as born-again Christians? To serve God. But how do we do that? How do we put feet on that? Let me share with you some very things very personal to me this morning. First of all, do not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. I was 18 years old, and I got right with God, 2003 Casapa Street, Elkhart, Indiana, up in my bedroom of that old farmhouse. And I said, Lord Jesus, if you'll save me, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I didn't have anything to offer. And he came to me. He came to me. He saved me. He gave me his blessed Holy Spirit. I began to read his book. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I ran across this verse, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Holy Spirit, as I went over that verse for the first time or and I read it a couple, three times in a row, you know, for I'm not ashamed. This was Paul's testimony. And the Holy Spirit said, that's, that's you. you. You can't be ashamed of me. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own anymore. You can't be ashamed of me. Because, to be honest with you, if you want to have a bunch of people stay away from you, carry the Bible around. You carry Playboy around or Penthouse around or a triple X, quadruple X magazine, you have guys all around you and they'll be saying, hey, let me look at that, let me look at that. That's because this world, that's the way they are. It's easy to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's easy in a conversation just to not mention his name when really the Holy Spirit's prompting you to talk about him. It's easy not to say anything. Quietness is a sin oftentimes. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is what? Sin. See, there's passive sin and there's, there's a aggressive sin. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, that's passive sin. You just didn't do it. I believe the Holy Spirit comes by all of us at times and asks us to say, give this guy a gospel tract, say something to this person, do something for me and this person, and you, and you kind of go, well, you know, they're not going to think of me well. They're not going to be uh, happy with me. They're going to maybe mock me. They're going to say, I don't want that. They're going to throw me out. Why do people not come door to door? A lot of times they're afraid that they'll be shamed. What's the Bible say? What did Paul say? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Man, you got to get that and get that real good and get it real deep. Let that soak down in you real good. If you want to be a servant of Jesus Christ, one of the first prerogatives, I believe, is not to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he represents. Don't be ashamed. In Mark chapter 8, verse 38, it says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words, that's the Bible. In this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father and his holy angels. It was Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
Paul had a tendency to be ashamed or he wouldn't have said it. The Holy Spirit wouldn't have moved him to say that. He says, that I may speak boldly that I'm supposed to speak. Oh, that God, that we would do what, what he leads us to do as his servants, that we may speak out for him. Solomon said it this way, but in uh, Proverbs 28, 1, he said, but the righteous are bold as a lion, not obnoxious. You may get accused of being obnoxious when you're not obnoxious because the world just doesn't want to hear it any way you serve it up. We pass gospel tracts out. I was out passing tracts out yesterday. And I had a few people tell me they didn't want them. You know, nobody was really rude to me, but I've had people be rude to me. Wow. What's going to keep you back from passing tracks out? You don't want people to be rude to you is because of your pride. What would keep, what would, what would keep you, what would cause you to, to back away from confrontation? What could possibly cause you to back away from confrontation? Pride. Pride. How dare they speak that way to me? How dare they talk that way? Well, what'd they do to Jesus? Man, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was struggling with going to the cross and taking upon the sins of the world and having his beard plucked off his face and being beaten beyond recognition as a man and being mocked and saying, if you're the Christ, come down from the cross and everything he ever stood for, they mocked and they spit on him and they slapped him and they beat him and they, worse than all, scourged him. The Roman soldiers scourged him, bowed down on their knee and they said, Hail, King. And after Christ did that for me as the son of God that could have stopped it all with one word, I think it's okay if I take a little shame once in a while. How about you? It's okay if people reject me once in a while for the cause of Christ. We're to be bold as a lion. We're not to be ashamed. The second thing I notice is our purpose as a servant is we're to be compliant. Take your Bible to John chapter 14, if you would, and verse 15. John chapter 14, I want you to know where this is at. John chapter 14, verse 15. Real deep theology. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what I told my wife. Oh, Billy, you just went over the edge on that one. Wives, be submissive to your own husbands. That's Bible, as John 3.16. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's his Bible, as John 3.16. You can't pick and choose the parts of the Bible you like, the parts of the Bible you don't like. Don't be ashamed of his words, any of his words. When my wife, we got married in a fever hotter than a pepper sprout, Went to Greenwood, South Carolina, found a justice of the peace that was open, went upstairs, the second story, and said, we'd like to get married. And they said, well, wait a minute, we got a phone call. He got over the phone call, the, the guy came in, he gave us some vows. My witness, the one witness we had to the wedding, got a phone call after that and left the room, so she never even witnessed. I may not even be married all these years. And she signed it, she witnessed it, she lied. I didn't, I didn't, you know. There's only one way 
if my wife loved me, she's going to keep my commandments. Meaning she's going to comply. Don't you hate to see a marriage where they're fighting each other and trying to kill each other? A marriage is a team. I played team sports. I played baseball and football. And it was a team. We had a coach, and we had a team sport. And I did what I was told to do, when I was told to do it, how I was told to do it, or they'd have thrown me off the team. And yet, we don't look at marriage like that, but it's, a, it's the ultimate team, a husband and a wife, the two becoming one flesh, and, they, and they, they together can struggle through this thing called life and overcome its resistances and its enemies and its disappointments together if they help each other. Now, let me say this. Maybe one of the freest women's, women at Gospel Baptist Church is Kathy, Kathy Lytell. Why? I can trust her. I know she's looking out for my best interests. She controls all the money <laughs> under my authority. I think she's been embezzled, but nevertheless. <laughs> I told her, am I old enough now for you to tell me really how much money we have? <laughs> and she said, no. Because you cannot be trusted. She said, if you, if, I knew, if you go buy something new, like a new pickup truck or a new motorcycle or do something else. I said, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> if, you think, if you think 14, 15 of John's tough, then take the next chapter, chapter 15, verse 14. How do you like that? 14, 15, 15, 14. You ought to remember that. 14, 15. And go to the next chapter, 15, 14. He said, if you're my friends, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. I think that's pretty straightforward. When you get saved, you get saved to serve. His servants shall serve him. That's our purpose. God keeps you alive today to promote the kingdom of God and to promote the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God. So other people can be saved. It's an act of love. It's an act of love for the Lord Jesus to keep his commandments. And it's an act of a friend to a friend to keep his commandments. So not, don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. Don't be ashamed of his words. And, and then when you read his words and you understand what he wants you to do, obey him. I started reading the Bible at 18 years old seriously. I began to read it once a year and began to read it more than that, but at least once a year. And I began to read the book, and I, when I would run across verses that rubbed me the wrong way, I'd say, well, I'm going to have to get right about that. I, I, I want to hate my enemies. I don't want to love them. I don't want to do good for those who despitefully use me. I want to hurt them. And the Holy Spirit in me goes, no, that's not what I want you to do. That's not... That's not what my children would do. The only thing left when all the dust settles in this universe is going to be God. Do you believe that? The only thing left is going to be God. Satan will be in the lake of fire. The beast, the false prophet will be in the lake of fire. 
All those who have rejected Jesus Christ in, not, in unbelief will be, will be in the lake of fire. They will be isolated and encapsulated in that, and God will then create a new heaven, a new earth, everything brand new again. He'll take his servants that believed in the Lord Jesus, and he'll cause them to have responsibilities throughout his kingdom, and his servants shall serve him. It makes sense to me that if ultimately there's going to be total compliance to God when we get saved we begin to comply to God. We begin that process of compliance to God. It, he begins it now. Now, I'll admit, sometimes I don't comply too well. You know, that's called sin. And I don't comply. I don't maybe, I don't sin like I used to. I don't drink, smoke, cuss, act ugly. Well, I may act ugly sometimes. But when I don't comply to God, now that's the kind of sin I'm that I sin, mostly non-compliance to what God wants me to do when he wants me to do it. I'll pull back or do something. I got stories about that I don't have time to share with you, but where I didn't comply to what God wanted me to do with horrible outcome. The Holy Spirit is making you conform to his image. That's the process. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says, For whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Obedience is how we serve God. It's how we show him our love. So we're not ashamed. We comply with the things of God. And the third thing is we go around doing good to all men. What is our purpose as a servant? To do good to all men. I, I just, I think when you get saved, you start being an asset, not a liability. Uh, Galatians 6.10 says for we have therefore opportunity to let us do good unto all men, saved and unsaved, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. He declares it clearly there. So we're not just to go around and do favors. It's not to be a clique where we just do good to the people of God, but we do good to our neighbors that are unsaved. We do good to the people in, in employment that are unsaved. We do good to people we bump into that are unsaved. I carry air in my truck. I carry tire repair equipment in my truck. I carry jumping ability in my truck so that when I see somebody broken down along the road, the old Holy Spirit sometimes will sometimes say, stop and help them. I'll have, be able to do that. Why do I, at fairly great expense to myself, I'll stop and help people do that. Why? So at the end of that whole thing, when they offer me money, I said, I can't take any money, but I want to give you the best news I ever found in my life, the Lord Jesus Christ, and give them a gospel tract. That's what that's all about. Yes, I did them good to help them get back on the road. But my mo motive of all that was the servant of Jesus Christ was to show them the Lord Jesus Christ. I knew a guy years ago, used to be a real sociable individual, had people over his house. I'm talking unsaved people over his house and had dinners and put on a deal. When he invited people to church, they'd come. They'd come. He had fish fries and stuff. And he, would, he had more people visit Gospel Baptist Church in one year than anybody else in church except for the bus people. It was partially because he was going around doing good, to, doing good to people. And when they when he asked them, hey, why don't you come to church with me? They said, sure, sure, we'll, we'll do that. Be an asset. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, I like where it says about Jesus there. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, with power, who went about doing good. That's what he did. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. 
In Hebrews 13, 16, it says, But to do good and communicate, forget not. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. Talking about charge them that are rich in the world, that be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God which gaveth us richly all things to enjoy. Rich people, here's the command of God to you. That, you, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying in store, up in store for themselves, a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 11 says that for that, for he that will love life and see good days, and who, who doesn't want to do that? Who doesn't love life and see, want to see good days? Let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips for speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it or pursue it. I think that's enough said, amen? Are you a servant of God this morning? Are you a child of God this morning? If you've repented of your sins and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and you know him as your Savior, you've had fellowship with the Holy Spirit who's come in and sealed you to the day of redemption, and now your life is to serve God. Now, you can still be a plumber and serve God. You can still be an electrician and serve God. You can still sell cars and serve God. You can still be in real estate and serve God. You can... You can uh, Let's see what other. Oh, you can be in a contractor. It's possible that you can be a contractor and serve God. Yeah, those are just ways to make a living and to, and to feed your family and stuff. But your real purpose in life is to serve God. His servant shall serve him. Wow. Might as well get used to it. Might as well start doing it now. We're not going to be ashamed of the name of Christ. We're going to comply to what he says. And then we're going around everywhere possible and sharing what we have and giving what we have and doing good to all men, especially to them of the household of faith. That's it. Simple, straight up and down. Father, help us this morning. May the blessed Holy Spirit come. Take these simple, straightforward things and use them. Help us to be compliant to the things of God and the word of God. Oh, help us go out this week as a mighty army, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. May Lord God, we do good as it comes up and it's allowed to come up to all men, especially those of the household of faith. There could be some here today without Christ as their personal Savior. You don't know if you died today where you'd spend eternity. We're here for you. We'd love to show you what it means to be saved, what it means to have your sins forgiven. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. It don't make any difference what you've done in the past. If you'll be willing to admit it was wrong and trust Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, believe He was buried, rose again the third day, God will save you. He'll seal you under the day of redemption, and you'll spend by the grace of God your eternity with Him. Doesn't mean you'll have an easy road this side of heaven. You may have, you'll have trials and tribulations and testings, but God will be with you. Every step of the way. If you haven't made that decision, why don't you make it today? Maybe you're here today, you've never you've been saved, you've never gotten baptized. I don't say this very often. But man, I wouldn't live very long after being saved without getting baptized. 
Jesus got baptized, John the Baptist baptized, all the disciples baptized, all the apostles baptized, everybody in the book of Acts saved got baptized. Why don't you get baptized? We're, we're here for you. We'll do it. Maybe born-again Christian, you haven't been what really God the Holy Spirit's been pressing you to be, been encouraging you to be. Maybe he spoke to you this morning. Why don't you comply with him and say, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I don't I, I, as a human, I don't have a clue what's in your heart. I don't know. But the Holy Spirit does. Why don't you do what He asks you to do? Comply with what He's saying. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.